Okay. Welcome, everyone. I really believe that the word will bless you. Um, sorry if... I, I think you've seen since the beginning there's been a lot of energy in the church this morning. Just embrace it. Julle kan daai deur oophou, want anders gaan my kinders standaard skree. Ja, laat hulle net kan sien ek is hier, en dan voel allemaal beter. Okay. For the offering, I want us to go to Matthew 6. And um, this is a well-known scripture, and we're just going to read that again. Okay, we're going to read from verse 19. Matthew 6 from verse 19. Thank you. Okay. Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust and worm consume and destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy and where thieves do not break through and steal. Okay, so... How do I know that I'm storing up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth? Because let's say we're taking an offering, right? And if you bring money or EFT money, it's not like the angels come and get it and take it to heaven. So how do you do that? Well, the key word there is faith. It is faith. So whatever you do, not only in giving finances, but in the time that you give, in the... The, the labor that you labor in terms of praying in the spirit, you know, in the word, whatever you do, you do, healing the sick, whatever it is that you are doing, even if it is something natural in your mind, but it is something that the, the spirit told you to do. Like even your job, I mean, you can be an accountant and it can be by faith, okay, because it is what God has led you to do. So whatever we do, what is the inclination of our heart? Is it because it is just something we do? Or is it because we live in relationship with Jesus and whatever we do, we do by faith? The just shall live by faith. Okay. So when we store up in, in um, treasures in heaven, um, we do it by faith. So in giving, because this is giving time, I want you to understand that um, it is not so much in the amount except if God shows you an amount. Okay, but it is in what you do. So God says he loves a cheerful full giver. He doesn't love, he does not not love other people, but he just rejoices, you know, in a cheerful giver. Do I love all my children? Of course I love all my children. But when one of them brings me a picture or something they made, I rejoice. So I'm just, it, it cheers me up. It doesn't mean that because I love this picture and this deed or something they did to me that I do not love the other ones. I still love all of them. But I rejoice in what I do. And this is your relationship with Jesus. You are his child. So whatever you do in faith towards him, you know, from a, a heart of love, that is storing up treasures in heaven. Now verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, this is something, and we're going to speak about the flesh and the spirit a lot today. But um, sometimes the flesh rebels <laughs> against where the spirit leads, you know. And sometimes you just need to take that stand and say, listen, my flesh does not rule me. I rule and take authority over my flesh. So, for example, if you pray in the spirit, or let's say, first of all, you don't want to pray. You're like, must die. Or are all of you holy? You have always the desire to pray. Any hands? Okay. So sometimes you don't have the desire to read the word, pray, or spend time with Jesus. And then you just need to say, well, my flesh doesn't rule me. I'm just going to do this. And the same with money. You know, you, you kind of know in your heart you need to give this, and your flesh doesn't want to. Okay. And then you just say, well... I have a faithful father. He's going to look after me. This I do by faith, and I'm going to rejoice that I know he's going to provide for me. Okay, so sometimes where you're then putting your treasure, the money, the time, the act of faith that you do, even though you didn't necessarily feel like it, then that is your heart follows after that. It's like, this is an example from many years ago. Um, I did dancing lessons, and some of the evening um, lessons were on the same day as, the, as church like Wednesday evening, so forth, and we had prayer on Monday. And um, I didn't go to the church activities. I went to the dance because it cost me a lot of money. I'm going to go there. Obviously, God changed my heart, and now me and Gerrit is married, and I'm going to church all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying sometimes 
you just need to take that step and say, well, where am I going, where am I going to put my attention? Where am I going to put my time? Where am I going to put my money? And the heart follows. So if the heart is not always there, it's like we, we are not led by our emotions. It's like even coming to church. You don't necessarily feel up to come to church because it's nice to look it online. And I'm not saying that is wrong. Obviously, that is why we do it, so that it, people have access. But sometimes you just need to get over yourself, get in the shower, and come to church. You understand what I mean? I'm not saying cease to anybody. I'm explaining to you what happens where you put your time, your effort, your heart follows. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. Okay, so what this is saying is how do you perceive things from the Spirit? How do you look at things? When you look at things through the Spirit, through the crucified body of Christ, then your whole body is sound and everything that you do that follows is godly. But then it says, but if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the very light, your conscience, very light in your conscience is darkened. How is that darkness okay so we need God to open our eyes Ephesians 1 verse 16 and 17 Paul prays for the Ephesians he said I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so if you feel that you do not see clearly in a certain aspect in your life or in the scriptures or so forth ask God to give you light so that you can see Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be voted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money positions, or whatever is trusted in. So he's just saying, who's ruling you? Are you serving God or are you serving money? Who's making the decisions in your life? Is the money in your bank account making the decisions? Is the time that you think you know, is so limited, is that making the decisions to what you do? Or are you following what the Spirit leads to you, leads you to do? Who of you know, when you maybe started dating before you got married, or maybe some of you are in a relationship right now, you find the time to spend time with that person. You can work from what time to, you will, in the midnight hours, you will make them a card or whatever you do to, to show your love and appreciation. You will drive kilometers. You will throw in petrol in that car if she's on the other side of the world or he is, and you will go there, you know, if you're in love, okay? So the excuses that we often have, it is just that. It is just excuses, okay? So we're in a love relationship with Jesus, and um, he is the one that we serve. He is the one that, that his spirit that we follow, and we do not follow just because our flesh is feeling a certain way, our circumstances is, you know, giving us a certain picture or something. We rule over that, and we say, no, spirit, show me what I should do, where I should be going, what I should be giving, and so forth. And the rest of chapter 6, you know, do not be anxious. So, God is your provider. Okay. Amen to that. Nicole, can be a little upset, and you can give. I'm going to get the, as someone gave me the mic, I'm going to give you one here. So, the small one is um, for me and Gerrit personally, and then there's other one for cash, and then there's also will be details on the board, EFT, SnapScan, and the whole to Timurite. You are you are able to give. What is the word? You are welcome to give. Thank you, that one. We're going to start right in the beginning. Maybe some of you ex are excited that I'm preaching and that I'm preaching shorter than Gerrit. But I just want to say that's not necessarily the case. So buckle up. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to pray for us. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you use me today and that you use the words that I, I am speaking and that you will inspire the words that I speak to really just open up something for us today and that you will bless, bless us and that you will give us new life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. 
the, the, the thing, I think if you did get WhatsApp or Facebook or something, you will see that I'm speaking about heaven and earth reconciled. Now, if you would speak about that, like if Gerrit would speak about that, you know, we could go on for hours and there would be many scriptures. So, um, but I, my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you um, because there is much to say. There is depths that I might not be able to explain it, there is more, but, um, and I think part of that is also, again, we need to experience sometimes, you know, the spirit needs to give us an experience where the word becomes alive. Okay, so let's just read, start Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was listening to a servant of Prophet John in this week, and um, he oh, is such a good teacher. But one of the things he explained, which opened up for me, is he said, God created the heavens and the earth. And he spoke about three heavens. The first heaven is the one that he calls heaven here a bit later in terms of um, the sky with the clouds, you know, the heaven as we see it. Another one that he speaks about, and I read the scripture, I cannot remember where it is, where he speaks about the starry heavens. Okay, that's the second heaven. Then the third heaven he speaks about is where Paul says, I've been caught up in the third heaven. And that is the spiritual realm. That is where God is. Well, he's obviously in the other heavens as well, you know, but I'm speaking about that spiritual realm or however you want to call it, the third heaven. And... Um, if you read Colossians 1, I think from verse 18, it says that God created everything through and in Christ, the unseen and the seen things, all principalities, all things. So when he created things, it was also the unseen things, not only the touch, sea, realm, the earth that we know. Okay. And the earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God, God saw that the light was good, and he approved it, and God separated the light from the darkness. Okay, important. He separated the light from the darkness. Now, you have to understand that he's speaking about separating the light from the darkness, but he hasn't made the sun and the moon and the stars yet. Okay. Separating the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. And God said, okay, and then next things were created. I'm not going to read all of that. But the light was good. Okay. Now, I quickly want to just take you through the rest of the story with Adam, and I'm just going to speak and not read everything. And this is something that Gareth talked about three weeks ago, this, this part about the creation of Adam and Eve. And now I, I want to share that with you because it is such, so foundational to what we're going to do today. God, for the first five days, God created everything with, with his word. Ne? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God himself. And Colossians 1 verse 18, everything was made in him and through him. Speaking of Jesus, the word, John 1. Now, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be plants, and there was plants. Let there be animals, and there was animals. But God did not create man with his words. What did he do? He took dust from the earth and formed man. Okay. It's important to understand that God did not create Adam and Eve with his words. And we're going to get to that where you see the fulfillment of that. He created Adam and Eve with, from the dust of the earth. So when Adam was created, he was a clean slate. There were many trees in the Garden of Eden that he could eat. The one tree was a tree of life, which you know all the words of life. It is Jesus, the word, the words of life. That's the one tree. So you have to understand Genesis, the creation, is a spirit, it's spiritual visions. It's physical, but it's also spiritual. Okay, so it is two, let's speak about realms today, two realms 
that is spoken of here. So Genesis is much like to Revelation, where it's spiritual visions that has certain meaning to it. I don't know all the meanings. I just know that it is not just a tree that God literally planted somewhere. He's speaking. I mean, the Bible is full of metaphors that we are trees, that we are his garden, the city. We're a city, we're a garden, and all of that. Okay, so... God, Adam had the option to eat of the tree of life, which is the words of Jesus. And Adam had the other option, which he shouldn't be eating of. It was the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil. So that tree was the words that Satan was speaking, the devil was speaking to, to, um, to Adam and Eve. And if you see um, in John 8 verse 44, he says that Satan was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Okay. So this we also need to understand that uh, Satan was created. And if you read in, I think it's Genesis 3, it says, after the order of the creatures. Okay. I'm not going to go into depth because I don't know all the answers. But Satan was created. Okay. So all of the questions that you have right now, just pack them on a little rocky door. It's not important that we delve into all those things. What about Satan, the angel, and blah, 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 blah. First of all, that's not true, but Satan was created. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is that you need to understand that he's just a creature. He's not this big, bad devil that you have in your mind that is creating all your problems and you cannot succeed because, you know, okay. So understand. And you remember the prophecy after they sent, he said, the serpent, Satan, will be crushed under the heel of the seed of the the, of Eve, which was Jesus. Okay. He's on the floor. He's here. He's not that big, bad devil that you might have had in your mind. Maybe not you that's sitting here, but maybe somebody online. <laughs> okay. So understand this, that Adam was a clean slate. God said when he blew, blew breath into him, he became a living soul, not a living spirit. And Herod has elaborated on this many times. It is important to understand because... Um, for us who has received the spirit, we have become one with God. Adam was in unity with God, but he was not one with God. Okay, so I want you to create this picture in your mind. Adam is standing here. There's two trees with, let's say, words, fruit, which are words. Words of death, words of life. He's walking in the spiritual and physical garden because God is there. But the only thing that he can see, he's seeing in the spirit. He doesn't even know he's naked. Okay. So where is his vision? He has spiritual vision. He's not inclined to the physical things. So, yes, it's not like he was blind. He couldn't see like the trees and the things. But he was blind, for example, that he was naked. And if you read later, 1 Corinthians 15, it speaks about that we need to be closed over. Okay, so it, the basic meaning is just that Adam's creation was not complete yet. Okay, and Jesus will be the last Adam, first man. Okay, so we might touch on that still today. But this, this is where it's heading. Adam was just a clean slate. Now, what did Adam then do? He ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So he ate of those words and he partake. He took the words into his heart and sin came into the world. What happened when sin came into the world? What happened when he ate those words? First of all, there became a separation between him and God. His eyes opened. He suddenly sees naked, and he wasn't seeing in the spirit anymore. He was literally hiding from God. He became afraid of God. So there became separation between man and God, and separation between heaven and earth. Okay. Let's go back one sentence. God created a physical garden or most probably a physical garden, but it was also a spiritual garden. So yes, Adam, he's a physical man. So let me just say this to you. Your body is not evil. Many people, yeah, yeah. And I've had this thinking way back. You know, you kind of think that when the word speaks about flesh and carnal and natural, that... So my body, you know, I don't know. I don't know what needs to be happened to my body. I need to go die and go to heaven so that I can become more spiritual. Your body is not evil. God created your body. And what did he say? It is 
Good. Okay. So also for all you ladies out there that complain about your bodies, stop. Just stop. <laughs> okay. Your body is good. God created your body. But your body was created to live in a place then called Eden where you were living in the physical but also seeing in the spirit at all times. Adam could see in the spirit at all times. It is when the separation came that he could not see in the spirit anymore. So there was a separation between man and God and separation between heaven and earth. Okay, so you, you get that name. You catch that. Okay. Amen. Thank you, dear name. I want to see you all as I feel a bit of encouragement. Let's go to John 1. Maybe it's not even necessary to read all of that. Yeah, let's just speak. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and it, the Word was God Himself. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Okay. What did we say, Adam? Not created out of the words of God, created from the dust of the earth. Here comes Jesus, the Word, and He becomes flesh. Okay. This is important to know because after whom, those who have received the Spirit, after whom do we take? We take after our Father. We take after Jesus, the Christ. We do not take after Adam, which was created from the dust. We take after the Spirit Word. Okay, so you know the scripture says from dust you were made to dust you will return and on every funeral that you about, except if maybe we preach there, you will hear from dust you were and to dust you will return. Yes, Adam, the Adam man from dust you were created from dust to dust you will return. Jesus, the word, the Christ, we created of this image. We are, okay. We'll get to that. The, the big problem this morning is that I, that I myself were out I can't be so scared to not be so good time. Okay. Okay, so here in John 6, it is Jesus, he's speaking, um, to whom was he speaking? His disciples. Yeah, he was speaking, oh, he was speaking to whoever he was speaking to. And he said that the, the bread that you have received from Moses was not the bread of heaven. Okay. They were feed, in, in chapter 5, they were, Jesus was multiplying the bread and um, he was giving them a sign and everybody ate of all the multiplied bread. And then they say, give us a sign. If you read it, you're like, huh? What did, did they not just like feed 15, 20,000 people from like five loaves of bread and they like, give us a sign. Spiritually blind, eh? Spiritually blind. It's like, they're like, you gave our... Our forefathers in the desert, manna from heaven. You know, Moses gave manna from heaven. But you need to give us a sign that we can believe you. Because, oh, it is chapter 6, and 6 verse 27 and 28, he says, this is the works of God, that you may believe in the Son. So they say, give us a sign that we can believe. Yes, you stupid can you yes. You know, I just showed you a sign, but spiritually blind. Okay. So Jesus is saying, the bread that I have given you, or the bread that came from that Moses gave you, is not the bread from heaven. What is the bread from heaven? I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. And the words that I speak to you, I think it is um, 6 verse 63. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And then he says, says if you need to, want to have life, you need to. Come to me. In chapter 5, he says, You search the scriptures diligently, supposingly that you will find life in them, yet you refuse to come to me. Okay. So I want you to see the natural eye that's blind, or let's say the spiritual eyes that's blind, and this, a spiritual eye that can see. So now we go on a little bit in John chapter 9. Then here is the blind man. Okay, what a good miracle to put in the scriptures because he's making this distinction between not seeing and seeing. So here's the blind man. And um, let me just, this is just something that was so cool to me, just the, in chapter 8. 
Verse 58, Jesus replied, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, before Abram was born, I am. So they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus, by mixing, the, um, mixing with the crowd, concealed himself and went out to the temple. Okay, so there's a time for concealing, which was then. They shouldn't have seen. Their spiritual eyes should have been blind because they needed to crucify Jesus. Okay, so Jesus concealed him. And then just the next verse there's the blind man, concealed. He cannot see. Him ca- could physically not see, but spiritually he could also not see. Now, before I go on with that, I just want to... Um, are we going to read it? Let me just see. No, it's fine. Um, he's just speaking to the Pharisees, and they are saying, listen, God is our father, Abram is our father, and all of that, and God says... Your father is the devil. <laughs> Ouch, verse one. Your father is the devil. Why? Because they did not come to Jesus. And then he says he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Okay, so here in chapter 9 is the blind man. What does Jesus do? He takes natural earth, mud, and put it on his natural eyes. And he washes himself in the the bath or whatever called siloam, which means scent, and his physical eyes open. Now, the Pharisees keep on pestering him and saying, how did you get healing? And then he tells them, like, this is what the man did. And um, they, then I come back to him. But what did he do? But what did he do? And then later he says, why should I keep telling you? Can you not hear what I'm saying to you? This guy speaking to the Pharisees. Can you not hear? So if you look at Revelation 1 and 2, and then many places in, in John as well, Jesus says, come to me that you, can, that you can hear. Now, it's not only physical hearing. We need to hear, hear <laughs> in our hearts. We need to allow the word to find entrance into our heart. John Wasserman um, also one, two weeks ago, he said, do not make too many notes. Let the, wo- the word wash over you. Okay, Ephesians 6 speaks about it. It is the um, cleansing by the washing of the word. So, um, Revelation 1, if you have an ear to hear, let it listen. If you have an ear to hear, let it listen. Okay. So we need to open our spiritual ears that we can receive the word, which is Jesus. So then at the end of John 9, Jesus comes to this blind man and he's saying, like, um, your eyes are now open, but do you know, let me read it, want the anders quote ek, all die skrifte verkeerd vandag. Okay. Jesus, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue, meeting him. He said, do you believe in and adhere to the Son of Man or the Son of God? He answered, who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in and adhere to him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him. In fact, he's talking to you right now. He called out, Lord, I believe. How interesting. He saw who healed his physical eyes. Just a few hours or minutes or what later, Jesus comes to him again. The same Jesus in the same physical body, but he could not recognize him. People walking on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They were his disciples. They could not see with their spiritual eyes. So they saw even like it blinded them so much that in the natural they could not even see Jesus. What happens when they get to the place Jesus breaks the bread and gives them the wine. As he broke the bread, their eyes opened, and then Jesus was gone also. But they recognized him. Their eyes opened, the breaking of the bread. Okay, so if we go to John 10. Here is Jesus, and um, he's speaking about these scarpies. These are more scarpies here. Meh. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have grass here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. It means you're not reading the news, which is a very good thing. (laughs) Okay. 
Let's read. Anders gaan ek klaar wees vir vijf minuten. So ons moet daar een beetje die Bijbel lees. Yeah. Verse 1. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman, so that's the preacher, opens the door for this man, and the sheep listen to um, his voice, and he did. That is the shepherd's voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and brings and leads them out. When he has brought it um, brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them and the sheep follow him because they know, know his voice. So he brought them out. What did happen just in chapter 9? The blind guy was kicked out of the synagogue, out of the religious system, out of the natural. Okay, so Jesus is saying, leads them, he, the shepherd leads them out. Jesus used this parable with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. So Jesus said again, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that I myself am the door for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to and obey them. I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out freely and this is speaking about natural, spiritual, and we're going to get to that. And I will find, and will find that person will find pasture. The thief come only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, enjoy life, and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. Okay. So Jesus, what does a door do? Huh? I'll just. Yes, it opens and closes, and it, it's an entry point, and it's also a separation, place of separation. We close that door so that I could be separated from the noise my kids make, <laughs> or we open that door so that they can actually see me. Okay, so the door has many functions, but what did Jesus, Jesus says, I am the door. Okay, going back to Adam and Eve. Yes, Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. Kicked out of the heavenlies, I want to say. And most probably kicked out of the physical garden as well. And there were angels with flaming swords that were like waving or whatever the word was. <laughs> Back and forth so that they could not enter. Okay. Then you get, if you go through the law and all of that, the temple. The temple had the, the outer courts, the holy place and the most holy or the holy of holies. What hang between the holies and the most, the holy of holies? There was a thick, thick curtain. Okay, what did he do? Separated. What did Jesus do? He became the separating curtain. What happened when he died on the cross? That curtain in the physical, it was torn. And the body of Jesus became that curtain and that door. And it was torn open so that the separation could be taken away. He became, the, he was in his body. He became sin. Okay. What did sin do? It brought separation. So Jesus on the cross became the sin. So what happened on that cross? He became the separation, dealt with the sin. The body was torn open and the door was thrown open so that we could enter. If all of this is like old news to you, don't worry, okay? You can like just, I don't know, surf on your phone or something. But this is really for me. <laughs> this really for me is, oh, it's just precious. The word. Okay. I want to read something here which was really cool for me. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it now. John 7, verse 39. I want to read, it, read this to you. Um, let's start in verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from his innermost being shall flow springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here but is ek nou in die rechte chapter? Hmm, moet ek het gekyk. 
Ah, yeah. From him, innermost beings shall flow, springs of rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the spirit whom those who believed in him were afterward to receive. Afterward, after the crucifixion. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised to honor. What just stood out for me is that Jesus was the word made flesh. Okay. And if by now, I'm sure you could have made the deduction, if not, don't worry, that we are supposed to become words made flesh. And that is when we believe in him. Okay. So we don't do all the stuff Jesus did. But he said to them, the spirit had were to be given to those who came after. He first had to be glorified. So Jesus first had to be lifted up. First, he had to be pronounced in the whole of the universe to say, listen, this is my son. This is the one who is important. This is the one who became sin for you. This is the one whom we put our attention on. This is the one who we lift and exalt up. This is the one. So the word first, like because God could have just chosen, oh, just pour out the spirit on everyone. You understand what I mean? But he couldn't do it like that because first Jesus, because if the spirit was just poured out with us in a fleshly nature, we would have made gods of ourselves because we would have been the important one. But first Jesus had to be lifted up, be glorified, be shown to be from God and all of that so that um, the spirit which he had in him, the spirit of God, could, you know, that they could go through death. The Spirit raised him up to life, and that resurrected Christ, okay, that Spirit that raised him from the dead is now the same Spirit that is poured out, out into our hearts, Ephesians 1. You can read that for homework. Okay. So Jesus first had to be lifted up and exalted and glorified before we could see, um, before we could receive the Spirit. Okay, let me see if I still want to do anything here in John. Let me just read this at the end of John 9, after he healed the blind man. Verse from verse um, 39. So in 38, he said, Lord, I believe. Verse 39. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment as a separator in order that there may be separation between those who believe on me and those who reject me and make the sightless see and make those who see become blind. Some Pharisees who were near hearing this remark said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you now claim to have sight, your sin remains. Okay. So here comes Jesus. He is a separator. And in many scriptures, you will see that, you know, I think it is in Matthew, I don't know, 6, 7, somewhere there, that he speaks about that he came to separate father from child. You know, he says you cannot, all of that. Now, it's different context in which he speaks. So, for example, he did not come to destroy families. That was never the art. For that, he brought reconciliation. But he's saying the forefathers, the, gener- the generations and the things that your, your fathers carry, I came, and the traditions and those things, I came to separate you from that, from the religion, from this, the, die, what inheritance, what is die mense, what glo aan, die bloedlijn vloeke, die geters. I came to separate you from those things, okay? So in the same way that Jesus is he's the door, so he came to separate you from certain things, is also the entrance for you to enter into the Holy of Holies, where you can run boldly to the throne of grace. The Pharisees claimed to see. So when you think you see, <laughs> when you think you're the big who are, that's what it's basically saying. I have news for you. You are blind. Okay. So how do we do that? How do we exchange our sightlessness for sight to see? We humble ourselves. Those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God in due time will be exalted. What Jesus was, glorified and exalted. Does he share his glory with another? Yes, when you are the bride. He doesn't share his glory with another like 
those, the separated. He came to separate those who do not believe and those who believe. But when we believe and we become one with him, when we receive the words of the Spirit in us, he exalts us. How does humility work? Lord, I do not know you now. Lord, I'm not going to do plan B. We're just going to go for plan A, your plan. Lord, I messed up. Help me. Lord, I'm weak in myself. I need your strength. That's how we humble ourselves. So physically how it looks, the how-to, that's each person's own you know, relationship with Jesus. But it's a mindset where you do not think you're the hoo-ha, where you run to Jesus to find rest, where you run to Jesus to find help, where you run to Jesus to get what it is that, that you need. And just to, you know, to be in love with him, to, to just have him, to live life with him. Okay, so he came to separate, but he also came to open up a door. Let's go to Colossians 1. We're going to read almost all of it. Let's start verse 9. Okay, so for this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Okay, so he's praying for the Colossian church, and he's praying that they will have, same as Ephesians 1, that they will have spiritual vision, spiritual insight, knowing how to do things of the Spirit. Now, here I just want to repeat myself. Natural things is not against God. It is the mind in which you are that makes the difference whether you are natural or spiritual. Okay. If you go, re- go and read Romans 8, it says that the natural man or the carnal man has carnal desires and the, the spiritual man has spiritual desires. It does not make... The reason why I'm saying this, maybe it's just maybe all of you understand this already, but this is something that has plagued me for many times in certain jobs, in certain... Okay, let me take this example. I was an occupational therapist, but I've also heard the word. Now, I teach people in wheelchairs how to use a wheelchair, how to transfer from their wheelchair to a bath, how to wash themselves and to a bed, and then we go on outreach to get the people out of the wheelchairs. You understand my struggle? I'm sure many of you have dealt with that. Like, okay, you feel like you have to spend time with wood, but now you have to cook because you have three kids. You know, it's a very natural thing to do to cook, but you have to eat. And this is what really just opened up for me when I understood that when God created Adam, when God created Adam and Eve, he created a body. He created them in a natural earth. He made animals, natural animals. Why would God do that? He created a place for us to rule and reign. How is the ruling and the reigning? This is where it happens. So the problem is not what you're doing in the physical. The renewal needs to happen in the mind. Where our mind is renewed and transformed, then uh, what we see will be different in the spirit. What we hear or we lend our ears out to will be different. What we say will be different. What we do, how we do it, and in the spirit which we do things, it will change. I've said this before, and Harit, this is something that, really just changed my life. It's not so much what you do, it's the spirit in which you do it. And the spirit of love is perfect, perfection. So sometimes you try to do something perfect. I mean, if you're a mom, you would know that sometimes to have a schedule and routine for kids is really good and you really try to stick by it because it makes everybody's life happier and better. But if you shout at your husband and everybody around because nobody is working with you for you to get this routine right, then it's better not to have that because the spirit in which you do it. So you want to have this perfect day. You want this perfect eight-stop version. You want this perfect, let's say, how you do your job, how you created this little pamphlet. You want it perfect. 
But if everybody as amumus dierloop, then it's better that it's not perfect. Because perfection is not in the detail of how you did something. And with that, I'm not saying don't do something excellent. I'm just saying, what is more important in that moment? The spirit in which you operate. Love. If you do not operate in love, and I mean, I have to, to remind myself of that so often. Donkey. Iemand wat soos ek voel. Donkey. Okay. Verse 10. Um, so in an understanding the sermon of spiritual things that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things. What pleases God? Faith. So he's saying, I pray that you may have spiritual understanding so that you can please God. Thus, walk by faith. So the spiritual understanding that we will gain when we open our ears to the words of God is we will walk in faith. We will understand, and well, the word brings faith. Romans 10 verse 17, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Not just hearing with your natural ears. Hearing, hear. Jesus saying, come to me. Okay. Bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in by the knowledge of God. With fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory. Every kind of endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints in the light. Okay, let me just continue reading. The Father has delivered, and drawn us to himself. So that is the reconciliation. Out of the control and the dominion of darkness. That is the separation. And has transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. How did he do that? Remember Adam was a clean slate? What did he do when he sinned? Death came into the world. How did death come into the world? Through the spirit that was living in Abraham. Okay, so death came to him and he was sure to die. Remember, all people are born into sin. If you are not born again, you will just, you are basically dead already and you will just continue to be dead into eternity. So if you die in your body, you will still be dead because your spirit man is dead. Remember, we speak of spirit, soul, body. You know this already well. Spirit inside of you is dead if you are not born again. Okay. So how? So here is Adam. He's eating from the words of the liar, of the guy who was a murderer from the beginning, the devil. He's eating from those words. Now Jesus is saying, he has transferred you from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Okay. And he says, the son of his love. So his son, that was his only begotten son. He was, they are, what is the thing that makes them one? Is the love that makes them one. He transfers us how we receive the word. It is so simple, but there's two salvations. The one is you are saved in your spirit. The first time you receive that word, Jesus died for me, my sins are forgiven. And then there's a daily salvation. So the salvation is not only for the word to come and give life to your spirit and one day you go to heaven and we're going to speak about that, that even for us thing just now. We're almost landing, don't worry. Okay. But he wants us, our soul and our flesh, body also to receive life. In whom we have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. So how does the redemption come? It comes by Jesus becoming sin, then body tearing apart, and so he brought redemption and also freedom for us. It was sin that came to separate us, Jesus becoming the separating, becoming the sin, dealt with the sin when he died, then he was raised to life again. Now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the 
invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. Okay, so yes, Jesus. Now, the thing that why, why I started studying this to understand more of it, I heard some sermons of they awesome guys. I'm not going to name their, but they have this one doctrine that they say that yeah, we will worship into eternity in the heavens, but we won't be like healing the sick because, you know, um, there's no sickness in heaven. So I'm like, okay, I understand that, let's say all sickness is gone now, that there will no, be no more sickness to pray for. I understand, okay, but something is off about this. And I realize what happens with that is, is that you think that God is doing one thing in heaven and that Jesus or the body of Christ is doing another thing on earth. It cannot be. What did Jesus say? He says, I only do what I see my father do. And he was healing the sick. Yeah, there's no sickness in heaven. So how does that work? Unseen, seen. So the father is not there in planet heaven, sitting on his throne, you know, party party with the angels. And Jesus is walking down here, healing the sick. No. That is because we separate the two places. Okay. I'm going to just read and we're going to just put that together just now. He has the exact likeness of the Father. Whatever the Father is doing right now, Jesus is doing right now. They are one. Don't. We, we are separating heaven. Thinking the Father is doing something. Yeah. And then Jesus is doing something different through us, you know. Verse 16, for it was in him that all things were created. So I spoke about that now, now or earlier. Were created in heaven and on earth, things seen, things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service, intervention, and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist. He is also the head of his body. Are we the body of Christ? Okay, he is the head, the body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, standing first and to be preeminent. And then in another scripture, scripture he says that he may fill all in all. And that means like all of us and all of the earth, all of it. For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness of the divine perfection, powers, and attributes should dwell in him permanently. And God purposed that through him, the Son, all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by means of of the blood of his cross. Okay. So let's backtrack a few um, verses. So Jesus is the exact likeness of the Father. He's not doing something different than the Father. He only does what the Father does. Then he says, um, he's the head of the church, seeing he's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So what happened? He's the first of all in the beginning. And the scripture says that he was, John, if you go read John, is it now 8, where he speaks about Abraham. And they say, oh, you know Abraham. You're not even 50 years old yet. How do you know Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. So he was before all time. Jesus was before all time. The word, the word, not the physical, the word was before all time. Okay. So... Then there was a beginning where God created the heavens and the earth. And if you look then at John 8.44 that says Satan was a murderer from beginning, where did that beginning start? From the creation. Okay, that's where Satan started, from the beginning. Now he's speaking again that Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So Jesus is the new beginning, new era Old Covenant, New Testament, Old, New, 
new man. The first Adam, the second Adam, the first man, the last man. Okay, so he says there was one Adam, man, the one that fell. Jesus was the second Adam. That was the word that became flesh. Adam was the first man. Jesus was the last man. He was the beginning, or he is the beginning of this last man, which is the new creation. And when you receive the words of Jesus, you become a last man. There's no other man. There's not going to be a new creation again. This is it. And how do we exchange then from the physical things that we see that has fallen? We receive the words of Jesus. It is as simple as that. But you need to receive here. Okay. All the fullness has been given to Jesus. So there is not a little bit left in heavens that Jesus has not received yet. Again, that thing. So you, you might have these pictures of, again, Father in heaven doing something, you know, Dunka Margarita of I don't know what he's doing, you know, but Jesus is sweating you on earth. <laughs> or you're thinking, you know, that there's so much glory in heaven and wonder we're going to see all of that glory. We are just missing out because we can only, you know, see a little bit. No, all the fullness has been given to Jesus. All of it. So, there is not more than there is that is in Jesus. But yes, let's agree on that. We have not seen everything in him yet. So I'm not saying that what we have right now is all we can have. Because we have not manifested everything. The word became flesh. Jesus is everything. That's, that's the package. Okay. So do not wait for another revelation Another something funny, funny that's going to come and going to sweep our feet. No, what we need is to go deeper into him, the word. We do not need more like horizontally. We need more like deeper there. I don't know which direction to show because it's not a certain direction. It's not heaven plan. Okay. So everything has been given to him. He's the divine fullness. He's the exact representation of God. And now he says in verse 20, And God purposed that through him all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven. Okay, so the spirit in the heavens, that spiritual place that was spoken about Eden, that was given to Jesus, all things to Jesus. And Jesus, the word become, becoming flesh, he became reconciliation again between man and God. How? He became a man, first of all, and the spirit of God was poured into him there. Heaven was poured into Jesus. Okay. All of it. Nothing left. All of heaven. And Jesus walked on this physical earth. He was a his dad was a carpenter, so we assume he was at least helping his dad, you know, like a nice guy. <laughs> I don't know, like, from my sister, help your kids when you come back. I'm like, well, um, they start to wash some vegetables. <laughs> and Isabella slowly starts to cut some vegetables. But it's more tricky to accommodate all three of them, you know, than to just make the food. Okay. But anyway, so yes, Jesus, he was eating. He was drinking, well, maybe not uh, like a party. <laughs> he was eating and drinking. He was on a physical, you know, he had to sleep. He was doing natural, physical things. Yet, he only did what he saw his father doing. So he, heaven, coming into Jesus, brought reconciliation between earth and Jesus. It was heaven in earth. Earth, okay, reconciliation, and reconciliation between man, Jesus, the man, and God, the spirit, living inside of him. So he reconciled all things to himself, and then what happens in Acts chapter 2? The spirit, he was glorified on the cross, and therefore, then the spirit was poured out unto all flesh. Whoever receives him, receives the spirit, and heaven is reconciled in you to this earth. You, as man, are reconciled back to God. 
You need to let go of your picture of heaven that is far away. Even though you already understand that, you know, it's not the planet somewhere. I know we are, you know, versed in, in that understanding. But you also need to understand that here, here is heaven. <laughs> heaven is inside of me. Let me read you the scripture if you don't believe me yet. Let's go to Luke 17 verse 2. Is that verse 2? Uh-uh, that's like it. Oh, verse. Was gaat het nou? Net so. Ah, okay, it is verse 21. What? Let's read from verse 20. Asked by the Pharisees, this is now Jesus, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus, he replied to them by saying, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you and among you, surrounding you. And immediately I just went back to Adam and Eve. And I'm like, okay, there is Adam in his natural body. The kingdom is around him because Eden is also a spiritual place. And for him, the kingdom was not yet inside of him. But he had the option to partake of the words of life. If he would have partaken of the words of life, the kingdom would have been inside of him. But he did partake of the words of the devil. And so he was kicked out of the heavenlies. And Jesus says, this is not what I created you to be. I do not want you to live like that. I want reconciliation. I want reconciliation between man and God and between heaven and earth. And here comes Jesus and he embodies this. The word becomes flesh. The heavens come to dwell inside of Jesus. The kingdom dwells inside of Jesus. And man and God is reconciled. Heaven and earth is reconciled. And he pours out his spirit on all flesh who want to receive him. And as we receive the spirit, the kingdom is living inside of you. You do not have to turn far to find Jesus. If you look at John 6, John 4, the bread of heaven, eat it. The rest of John 6, I think maybe we should do communion. Chanel, can we do communion? Can somebody hear me? Thank <laughs> you, We're going to do communion this morning. Okay, so um, the Spirit is poured out, and we do not have to reach far to find God. John 4, as you drink from the living waters, living waters will bubble up. Just different metaphors, the water, the word, different things explaining the spirit that is inside of you. If we do, we're going to do communion now. Let's go there, John 6. And then we're going to end off. Verse 56. Let's do verse 53 first. I assure you most solemnly I tell you, you cannot have any life in you unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. For my flesh is true and genuine food, and my blood is true and genuine drink. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood dwells continually in me, and I, in like manner, dwell continually in him. Yo, just as the living Father sent me, and I live by of the Father, even so, whoever continues to feed on me, shall live through and because of me. We continue to hear the word so that this reconciliation may manifest. Um, in the worship, Isaac started when he stopped the song, he said, your breakthrough is in the atmosphere. It is just another way of saying what you need is at hand. The kingdom of God it is, is at hand. It's here. 
year. It's not far. It is year. It is year. It's in you and it's around you. Where you go is where the kingdom of God goes. We continually, continually feed on him. Feed on the word. Feed on his flesh. Drink the blood. We continually. How do we eat Jesus if we don't do communion? How do we eat him? We eat the word. We take the word into us. And the word is the thing that transforms us. Psalm 119, I think it's 162, verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word as someone who has found great spoil. I rejoice at your word. Listen, and this is something I say, I think it's usually at women's conferences. The word is my lifeline. I mean, it's my life, but it's just a picture that it's my lifeline. You go to the, to the word for everything and anything. The word. Hmm. Jesus. I think before we use communion, let's get up on our feet again. We're going to pray in the spirit. And this, this life that we have received, this kingdom that is inside of us, we're just going to let it bubble up and overflow. Nico, as jy dat vir ons nie, soos a soaking type ietsie kan opsit. Then, um, then we're going to stop the stream and um, as you pray in the spirit, I want you to be aware that you don't pray in the spirit to go and go and summon the spirit from far to come here. What you are doing is that the kingdom inside of you, you are letting it bubble up. When we eat of the flesh and drink of the blood, it is Jesus here. He's in us. And we partake by faith to say, yes, he's here, he's near, he's not far. Okay. Something as you read the word, when you go home and wherever you are, in your thinking, when you, for a moment, catch your sh- yourself, yourself, <laughs> yourself, that you're thinking God still needs to bring the answer. God still, eh. just, you know, stop yourself. Stop yourselves in your tracks. The kingdom is inside. Heaven and earth has been reconciled in you. You now are the word made flesh. So we're just going to pray. Take the next five or ten minutes. Don't rush. Get communion. Let this word just, you know, settle into your hearts. I don't actually want to pray for people right now because I want you. The kingdom is inside of you, okay? The answer is inside of you. Obviously, we believe on laying on hands, all of that. You understand. But just for now, I just want you to just search, search there. Okay, the search there. The answer, Christ, the word is inside of you. I'm just going to pray that we're going to greet the viewers. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you have given us this gift, your word. And we pray that this word will transform us from the inside out, touch every part of our bodies, our souls, every part of our circumstances, the atmosphere. Yeah, and I did not even mention this. Creation will respond. (laughs) Creation will respond. The same way as creation fell in back in Eden after sin, creation, the physical creation will respond to the word us becoming manifest, becoming fully flesh in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you have given us this gift. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body that we're going to eat and drink right now. And I pray that we will experience, just experience that intimacy with you. Amen. Amen.